people in our stores for everything that you are doing. We couldn't be doing it without you. Now, I know that everybody's going through a lot with this whole Corona-19 thing, but I got to be honest with you. Sometimes it's a good thing that we are, that we get a restart. I know that personally, I am super, super close to my daughter. I have a great relationship with her. But because of all this Corona-19 and in everything that's going on, she finally agreed to be on one of my shows. So I am thankful that I have my daughter going to be on the show with us today. We're gonna, Today, we are going to talk about autism. This is Autism Awareness Month. And um, I thought, what better person to bring onto the show than my daughter, Jessa Demetrician. Jessa, are you there with us? I'm here. All right. How are you? Whoa, you got your hair done again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jessa, you know, how long have you been? How long have you been doing this, Jessa? How long have you been in uh, 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 dealing with autistic people? Um, so I've been a master's level psychologist for five years now. And really over the past two and a half years, um, I've been working more with kids with autism um, and really learning about that uh, at my no. um, latest trial. So with, with with this whole, you know, Corona-19 thing going on, I know that you're not working. And when you are working, you're working at home. What has life been like for you, a psychologist that can't really do anything? Right. So for me, um, I'm the one who basically helps diagnose kids. And it's really impossible to do that um, with the new telehealth services and everything that are being allowed. Um, so for me, it's it's just kind of like I'm at a standstill. I can't do much with my own job um, from home. Um, I can answer questions. Uh, I've given a few feedbacks, meaning um, going over results that I had already done the testing for two months ago. Um, but there are a lot of uh, people out there doing um, therapy uh, through video chat or on the phone, which is pretty cool. Um, that hasn't really been allowed very much before all of this um, coronavirus stuff started happening. So what, as a young lady though, what have you been doing to get through all this? Are you just working out a lot? Are you, know, are you eating a lot? What's the deal with you? Um, so I guess a little bit of both. Um, so like everyone else, I think I find myself uh, going to the fridge a lot eating a lot of snacks because there's not much else to do. Um, but I've also been fitting in uh, regular times to do like exercise and things like that. So I'm kind of balancing things out that way. Outstanding. Well, Jessa, before we get into today's show, I want to see if my good friend Joshua Spears is on the line with us. Joshua, are, Joshua, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here, Johnny. How you doing, Jessa? Good to meet you. The man, uh, the legend. Yeah, yeah. Nice to meet you. <laughs> glad, the last time I saw you, Joshua, was was my very first show with NRM Streamcast, and you and you were showing me what it's really like to be a speaker these days and not working. And you showed me what your living room was like, and and what you were kind of doing with the kids and stuff like that. Uh, with the whole you homeschooling the kids now and everything, are you are things back to normal? Um. No, no, <laughs> normal is gone, Johnny. Normal's gone. Normal took a train and normal left. 
Um, no, it, it's it's we're getting used to things. I mean, as far as the messy house and stuff, I mean, they, uh, that's a day to day deal. Um, but as far as like with the kids with school, we're getting into a routine. We're starting to, you know, put it together and figure out how to, you know, how to it, it's it's a di- different deal. I mean, you know, like the challenge of talking to a big group of people is one thing. But when you got two kids in two different grades and trying to keep track of them and a three year old and, you know, you really have to, you know, have a lot of patience and, and I'm still getting there. But I honestly can say, though, too, that I'm really starting to find the silver lining in the sense that I really am thankful for being able to spend this time with my kids. It is stressful and it's not always easy, but I, I can honestly say that it's it's not as bad as some stories I've heard from other people. Joshua, I can't thank you again for joining us today, joining myself and my daughter, Jessa. And obviously, you know, Joshua, today we are going to talk about autism. And Jessa, um, you know, and feel free, uh, Joshua, to jump in there at any time. But Jessa, if you could, could you explain to me and in, in, in the in the viewers, what what is autism? Um, so basically, in general, autism spectrum disorder is a neurological slash developmental disorder um, that really comes from childhood. Um, although a lot of people, they don't really know that they have it maybe until later. Um, but at its core, uh, autism spectrum disorder, um, people with this disorder have difficulties in social communication and then what we call like restricted and repetitive behaviors. And that can look very different depending on the individual. That's why it's called a spectrum disorder um, because it's just, it could vary. You have very mild cases and then very severe cases. So what would the symptoms be to somebody that may think that they have it as well as their child? What are some of the symptoms that people can look for? Uh, So some of the core things would be like um, trouble communicating, whether that means verbally or non-verbally. And like I said, this is on on a big spectrum. So that could mean they're not talking at all when they should be, um, or you know maybe they know how to speak, but they have trouble going back and forth in conversations, um, lack of eye contact, that's more of like the nonverbal communication problems, um, having like sort of odd or maybe not many facial expressions, that's another one. Um, and then we, we look at those restrictive and repetitive behaviors, which are things um, I think a lot of people maybe have heard, like lining up toys instead of playing with them how they're supposed to, um, having sensory interests, like feeling certain things or not liking the feel of certain things, um, being sensitive to loud noises, uh, things like that. What's the youngest person that that has came and saw you while you know while you're working in your in your testing? What's the youngest person that you've tested that has that has had autism? And then maybe what's the oldest person that you have tested that you realized that they are, are artistic as well? Um, so the youngest child that I had to do an assessment on was um, probably 18 months, and that's really the earliest. Um, that we can do the testing. Um, It's more reliable around the age of two years. Um, And then I think the oldest person that I've done an assessment with was around uh, 19 years old. 
So, so when you test somebody, can you walk us through what testing is, is really like? I mean, is it just you put three pages of questions in front of them? And obviously, you can't ask a, a two-year-old or an 18-month-old um, to take a test. So what kind of testing is it that you do with these kids? So we get a lot of information first. Um, we do a lot of screening before we even meet the child. Um, you get a lot of background information um, just about like uh, the milestones that they've met or maybe haven't met yet. Um, or if you're you know, testing an older child or adult, you'll ask a lot of different questions about their history. Um, you may need to even talk to the parents if they don't know. Um, and then the actual assessment part where you're meeting the person, it's very observational. So like, for example, I would see how the child or the adult interacts with me and sort of um, go based on, are they able to go back and forth? If it's a child, are they interested in playing um, with me or are they more off to themselves? Do they um, do they like social sort of games like like peekaboo or tickling like little kids like? Um, and then just sort of overall, you think back to what you observed or, during that whole time, and if it if it fits if it fits the uh, sort of the symptoms, you kind of make a decision based on that and the background information that you got. So when you go and you ask the 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 guardian or the parent questions, do they always have the answers or do you have to kind of feel through that as well? You definitely have to feel through that because, I mean, you're talking to people that don't necessarily know that they even should be looking for some of these things. So, so sometimes you ask these questions and they're like, oh, wow, I haven't even really paid attention to that. So I don't know. Um, for example, I will ask things like, have you noticed if your child is able to follow like your point, like if you point at something and want them to look at that, do they look at it or are they just kind of um, more aloof and not be not able to observe those type of things? And a lot of parents are like, I don't even know. I haven't paid attention. So it's something so, you really got to feel through. Okay, so so let me ask you this: when when a child is young, how is it that you can figure out that they have autism, or are they just being a child? Yeah, I mean, it really just comes down to you know, do they meet those criteria that I that I talked about a little bit with um, having deficits in social communication and the restricted repetitive behaviors? Um, there's a lot of things that might look similar to that. Uh, just a kid who's maybe behind a little bit, um, they might not necessarily meet those criteria. Um, they're just not caught up yet. So it, it can be hard to tell. And that's why I say, uh, like two years old is around the age where it's, where we're more comfortable with diagnosing or not diagnosing. You know, Have you Jessica, ever, go ahead, go ahead, Joshua. You know, as a as a, a father with young kids, I noticed you noticed you talked about you know lining trucks up and lining cars up, and I see some of that stuff with my kids. But then you just clarified that there's other things that they can do to to um, that that would you know as far as like social skills and stuff like that. But I know that there's a lot of stigma around autism. And parents hear you know so and so is on the spectrum. Is what, what as a parent that's what I hear when people are referring to other parents. So what does that spectrum look like? If someone were to go 
and they, their, their child were to have some of these symptoms, what does that, from the least to the most extreme, what does that spectrum look like? Like how, how severe can it be and how mild can it be? Um, I mean, honestly, it can look very different in, in so many people. And I guess in the most severe cases that I've seen, um, you know, kids can have, or adults, their cognitive functioning is very low too. Um, and what I mean by that is just like learning is very difficult. Maybe they are, they never are able to learn how to speak verbally. Um, and they're always going to need support throughout their life. So that's, those are like the most severe sort of cases. Um, but then on the other end, you have very mild, um, what we call high functioning individuals with autism. And those, those individuals can really lead a very, what looks like regular typical life um, and go to school and go to work. They might just have some difficulties that they need support with. Um, so their, their IQ and their cognitive functioning can be just like, a, like average or above average even, and they can achieve a lot. So it, it, it really is when they say a spectrum, it's, it's very, very wide. <laughs> Jessa, what, what causes a child to have autism? Is there something specific out there that, that it's the reason for autism? Um, so unfortunately, we don't really know what causes autism. Um, we do know that it's a mixture of uh, genetics, environment, um, all of that kind of stuff, um, but there's really no um, particular cause. Let me ask you this question, Jessa. You are one of those young ladies um, that you are always doing something different to your hair. Today, when I when I asked you for a picture, and you're like, "Okay, here here is one," and I, and I went to look, go look for another one, and just a couple of weeks ago, you had different color hair. Does that seem to help you with the children coming in to see a psychologist like you that's a little bit different, or maybe a little bit more like them, as far as the art artistic part of it? Um, I think it definitely can help sometimes that I kind of look a little more fun than your typical psychologist. Um, it gives kids something to sort of talk to me about. Um, for example, why is your hair blue? So that's, that's like a, a good indicator that, you know, they're considering another person's maybe point of view, which is something um, that typically people with autism struggle with at times. Um, or for example, my tattoos that I have, they'll comment about that. Um, what is that? Why do you have that? I like fish too, but you know, so it, it kind of brings up conversation, which I think is a good thing. And it wasn't always easy for you to define your place in this business because you used to have to cover everything up. You used to have to wear sweaters and have your hair just brown. And, and, and so you finally, finally found yourself. And a lot of doctors actually like the fact that you are yourself. Isn't that true? Yeah, I would have to agree. At first, I think a lot of it had to do with a lack of experience, maybe. I wasn't super confident in um, what I was doing. But once once you become more confident, I think you're more comfortable in just being who you are and um, just hoping people accept that. And then um, I got really, really lucky to have the last people I worked for um, be pretty cool about everything. And I think that once they saw me interacting with the kids and families, um, 
they really understood that it kind of helped. Now you spend sometimes up to two and three hours doing a testing with these kids. Have you ever got like, I want to say like close to one of the families or one of the, um, the kids that you are testing? Um, so typically because I just do the assessment part, um, I only see the kids and the families uh, once or twice. Uh, once when I'm doing the actual testing and then when they come back to get the results. So it's hard to get close to families when that's the case. Um, but I do enjoy the fact that, you know, I'm helping them sort of get connected to the resources that they need and with people um, and organizations where they will feel supported, supported and, and have um, people that they can connect with. Jessa, as a psychologist, how tough is it for you, you as a young girl, to to go in and, and, and tell the parent, hey, your child is autistic or or give them the news that you thought your child was autistic, but they're not. They're just a normal kid. Was that something that you had to learn as a psychologist? That's definitely um something I had to learn. Um, it can be very uncomfortable at first, you know, when you're giving somebody news like that, or even when you're giving them good news. Um, and it, it's just a matter of learning how to basically make them feel more comfortable. And like things, there are things that they can do. So I, let me ask you this, is, is there a treatments when, when, when you when you have a young child that is autistic, are, is there a certain uh, treatments that you give them or lessons? Like like take take us through that next step after you test them and you realize that they are autistic um, and they have autism. What what is the next step? Um, so the next step really depends on that specific individual. So like I like how I said, there's a spectrum and and things can be very mild or they can be pretty severe. So it would depend on the case, but um, typically um, the treatment of choice is called applied behavior uh, analysis. So that is typically used for more severe or moderate um, cases. And it's usually with younger children. Um, and it's a very intensive sort of therapy. It's It can be up to like 20 hours a week. It takes a lot of time but it's been proven to really be effective for these kids. Um, but if, if it was more of like a, a person with mild autism, you would recommend things like maybe social skills training or um, just like daily living skills sort of building with a therapist. Okay. Joshua, do you have anything or you want me to keep going? No, that's fine. I was just, I was actually getting ready to jump in. I, I was really curious, Jess. I mean, I, I know that I do what I do and I do a lot of stuff with like mental health. So my, my question is twofold. One, um, is there a connection between, you know, people who struggle with uh, mental health in the sense of like depression and anxiety and all those things where it becomes problematic for them um, with undiagnosed autism? Or is, is there a connection between the two? I guess that would be my first question. Yeah, so I think what you're kind of getting at is um, how a lot of different sort of um, mental health diagnoses or problems can look similar to autism and maybe go undiagnosed or you get misdiagnosed or things like that. I definitely have seen some older kids um, who have 
had like these lifelong struggles with anxiety and depression or like social anxiety, OCD and those types of things. And then they come into us because some somebody mentioned autism and parents have never thought about that. Um, so things can look similar because if you think about it, you know, when someone's depressed or they're anxious, um, they might have difficulties with social interaction and things like that. Um, so it makes sense to sort of weed that out and, and see maybe if, if that's the case um, or if it might be something else. You know, another thing too, I was thinking of all, all the, you know, you, you, you guys know what I do for work, but I mean, think about all the different things you could be when you say, I want to do this when I grow up. What was it about this field that, that drove you? Because I know from talking to Johnny, you got a lot of time and effort and money invested in your education. Obviously, you're doing really well with it. What made you decide that, you know, this is how I want to leave my mark on the world? What, what would, was there a specific moment that it hit you or was it something you always wanted to do or what led to you doing what you do? Um, I've actually wanted to be a psychologist for quite a while. I think I was in like middle school when I when I first sort of um, researched it. Um, but I was always interested in helping kids that were different. I guess maybe because I felt kind of different, um, especially in middle school. It's kind of how we all felt. Um, but just wanting to make sure that they felt understood and, and knew that they had people there to support them. Um, that's really the general sort of reason I wanted to get into psychology. I never thought I'd be working with kids like this, um, which my dad can probably tell you about that. Um, <laughs> but I ended up I ended up really enjoying um, working with kids and specifically kids with developmental disabilities. Joshua, I am so glad that you brought that up and you Thank asked you. that question because as soon as you start asking the question, I was like, oh, I cannot wait for her to answer that question because she was always one that that said, I'm not going to work with kids. I'm not going to work with kids. And, and then now she actually loves working with kids. And it's it, and, and, and now that we're talking about kids and stuff like that, I just got a picture from uh, somebody that's actually watching the show right now. So Morgan, I know you're watching. So uh, I know that um, I just want to say hello, Morgan. I hope you're doing outstanding and I hope you're doing wonderful. I hope you're staying safe. And speaking of being safe, um, you know, I have to tell everybody that Tim Hortons is still open. The drive-through is still open. I had a coffee there this morning. So thank you to Tim Hortons for the outstanding coffee. And um, I know that um, there, there's a couple other people watching right now. One of them is Susan. And Susan, if you um, are out there and you're watching, I, I want to let you know that I had three of my masks come in. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I will definitely, right after commercial break, I'll have them to show everybody what you made me, what you made my daughter, so we can be a little bit safer out there. But before we go to to a commercial break, Joshua, I have to ask you a question. Have you have you have you been riding the bike and and, and doing all your exercising like you're supposed to be doing? Yeah, I probably should be doing more of it. I don't want to. I haven't touched the scale. I don't think I want to. But I have been putting a lot of miles on my bike. I got my road bike out, um, you know, and it's been spent a lot of time tinkering with my RC trucks and and you know because you know the kids in the house and you got to do different things. But yeah, I've been spending a lot of time on my bike. How about you? I know you bike too. Have you been doing it? You gotta call me out. I'm gonna call you out back, buddy. <laughs> well, it's so funny because my bike is not rocking and rolling yet. Um, I just put air in the tires today, oh, and I know that I was at Jess's house. I know. We, 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 
<laughs> we, we've had great weather and even my daughter's like dad my my tire is flat i gotta get an inner tube let's do that let's get our bikes going and, and spend some time on the bikes so i think that this is a perfect time to go to commercial break and we'll be back in just about five or ten minutes with joshua spears and just a demetrician right here at hashtag a19 we'll see you in a couple minutes